Welcome to Solitude, a podcast for women ages 40 and older, hosted by Ann Calcutt and Shelley Roy. As life coaches, we believe that thoughts create your sense of self and enrich well-being. Stay tuned for tips and stories on how to thrive after divorce, career changes, difficult relationships, and transitions. Our goal is to help you live authentically through mindset practices. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Solitude. Hello, Shelly. How are you? Good, good, good. I'm in my happy place, so I'm good. And the weather right this minute is nice. We've sort of had rain off and on. We haven't had a lot of rain this summer, but the last couple of days. And I got to go to a movie yesterday. I'll have to tell you about that. So I forgot. Fabulous, fabulous. Yeah, we're having some really strange weather here too in eastern and central North Carolina. So today's episode, we want to share with you um, some fun facts, maybe five each, five fun facts about each of us so that you can get to know us a little bit better. We're into our 13th episode and we've shared a lot about ourselves with Mm -hmm. our audience, but we wanted to share some maybe lighter, more fun things about each one of us. And as we've shared before, we've known each other for eight years and we've been um, very close friends. We know each other very well. But we may share some fun facts (laughs) during this episode that may surprise one another. So um, I will get started with my um, first fun fact, and Shelly definitely knows um, this one, but I am a true crime junkie. I love reading about true crime, listening to true crime podcasts, and specifically watching true crime on um, basically any streaming platform. So I, I believe that the reason I am interested in true crime is because I've always been fascinated with psychology. It was my college minor. And whenever I read about true crime, there is always one red flag Honestly, there are multiple red flags, but in a true crime story, there are red flags in the um, the criminal's childhood, and that is fascinating to me. And as you read more about true crime, these red flags become the same ones over and over and over. It's almost predictable when you begin listening to a new true crime story or reading about a new true crime story, you can almost predict what is going to happen and what has happened to that person in the past. So that is my first um, fun fact. And I can tell you that my husband, Mark, does not find it to be a fun fact. (laughs) He finds it disturbing that I actually enjoy um, this genre in um, 
you know, television and, and radio and actually reading about it. But, um, you know, there are a lot of people who yeah. actually um, research and uh, write about it on their own. There are lots of podcasts about true crime from people who come from all different walks of life. So that um, that actually dates back to when I was in high school. I started reading about true crime when I was in high school, and it has grown. Actually, the interest has grown. It's I, I find it interesting. Yeah, because now there's a lot of people online that are um, sort of true crime detectives. And if you watch a lot of the true crime shows, you see now that the audience or the people listening or watching those shows start digging. And in a couple of cases, it's managed to solve the crime in the long run, which is right. So, so you're not alone out there. <laughs> no, there are many of us. There are many of us. Yeah, yeah. I do, I do like the the true part of it, right? You know, I like some. I like things that are embedded. I think it's really hard though to even write fiction that isn't partially true. So, um, but I I get it. There are times when I like to watch that. I like to have that in the background sometimes when I'm doing things because I don't feel like I have to pay as much attention, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I did know that about you. Um, I think one thing that you probably do know about me, um, my my reading is very eclectic. Yes. <laughs> I do everything from neuroscience to what I call blouse rippers. Um, one of my favorite things to do is to to lay in my floating lawn chair at the lake and reading just trashy. Well, they're not necessarily trashy, but just things that don't require any mind thought at all. Um, I have a tendency to get hooked on an author and read their whole series. Right now I'm reading a series that has 14 books in it, but it's like a couple of days and I'm done with it because it's just, um, it, it's like, it's like all of a sudden I get hooked into the family and I want to know about the family. But uh, the ones that I appreciate the most are the ones where obviously somebody has done some research, um, where they've researched either an area or a topic or whatever. For a while, I was reading this whole series and I learned about the perfume industry. I learned about the chocolate industry. I learned about the wine country. Um, this person had done a lot of research. And so it isn't sort of so much the the story just about the people. I like it. It needs to be embedded for me in something that has to do with research. So along those lines, actually, one thing, this might count as two, but that's okay. I'm going to bundle it all into one. How do I entertain myself, right? Um, one of the other ways that I entertain myself is we have a tradition up here of a couple of movies that we watch every year. And my kids can tell you that one of the ones I'm going to watch this summer is Pollyanna. It is my all-time favorite movie, the idea of playing the glad game and looking for the good in people. And that's what you'll find. It's all about perspective. I have loved that movie. And I like the original uh, with Haley Mills. I have loved that movie since I was a young child and it came out and I've pretty much watched it every year since. 
Uh, when I was young, you couldn't watch it because we didn't have VHS or DVD or Netflix or whatever. Um, but I owned several copies of it. And the other traditional one we watch, in fact, we watched it when we were here, my grandsons, my sons, and I, we watched Newsies, which my sons know every word to every song, all of the dance moves. Um, we have worn out two VHS tapes. I had to, at one point, write to get one from China because it was the only place it was available online. And so it's one, so... To me, that's sort of a little bit about me. My entertainment leans towards one of two veins, either something that's people-oriented, feel-good, or towards research. The other book I'm reading right now is Limitless, um, which is all about the brain research. And so I go from one extreme to the other, and I'm usually reading two of them at a time. So I don't necessarily like mystery or crime. Um, I have read a few. John Grisham, I read a lot of his stuff when he first started writing. But uh, I lean more towards if I'm going to entertain myself, it's either going to be something related to research or it's going to be something related to people and life. So that's mine, basically, is that's how I entertain myself. And, and I think you knew that about me because I've... <laughs> Yes, I have known that about you since we first met. And you are like a, a personal library resource for me because I, someone else can ask me about a book. And if I'm not familiar with it, I know that I can ask you and more than likely you will know um, because you've probably read that book. Um, so yes, I did know that about you. So we do have that in common. We both like to read. Um, I don't read nearly as, as much as you do, but we both enjoy reading and we both enjoy movies as well. So those are some fun facts about us. My second fun fact is, um, my first college major was, broadcast and TV journalism. From the time I was in ninth grade, all through high school, I wanted to be an anchor woman and I wanted to be on TV. And when I first entered college, that was the major for me. And I loved the classes and I did very well. And I went and got an internship at a local television station in the um, town where I went to college. And I loved that and learned so much. And then once I started practicing and being on camera, I um, started hearing my Southern accent and really was not self-confident at all as a 19 year old and did not continue to pursue that. I Sometimes I look back and think it was because I had um, low self-esteem. And now I know that there are ways that I could have improved that situation. It just was not meant to be for me to, to have that career. Um, but it was fun while it lasted, and I ended up having three more 
college majors and ended up with education, which I won't even go into that because there's no fun fact about that for me. Uh, but here we are. Uh, but yes, that was my, my dream career from high school and through my second year of college. I wanted to be, I don't know how many of our listeners remember Connie Chung, but she paved the way for a lot of women um, broadcast journalists. And all through high school, I said, I want to be just like Connie Chung. I want to be just, just like her. Um, and she had a great career. And, and that's what I pursued for a while. And here we are on Spotify and YouTube. <laughs> you're, so you're getting a little piece of it. Now you get to just be on a smaller screen or a big screen if somebody's watching yeah. on a big screen, right? That's and right. that is something I did not know about, Anne. Um, I, and most of our audience knows I have been a teacher since the time I was four or five years old. So <laughs> I, I did try another thing and then came on back. Um, I, I think another fun fact, boy, fun fact about me. Um, I think I've talked about this a little bit, but, um, oh, when I was young, there was, uh, it was sort of the thing, right, in the neighborhood where I grew up. Um, it was the thing to be involved in not as much, well, first of all, girls weren't in sports when I was young. Um, and, but I think one of the fun things was I was very involved in other things. So I was, one thing I did, which I think Ann knows, uh, I was a model, uh, when I was young. And in fact, I was in the Montgomery Wards catalog. I was in the local newspaper marketing for Dayton's which I don't know if people know what Dayton's is anymore. It's a department store, sort of like Macy's. Actually, the Dayton brothers owned it. Um, there's a connection there to Target, which a lot of people probably do know. <laughs> um, but I was a, a model, and mostly because uh, a neighbor of mine was a model. Um, she lived up the street from us, and she was a model. And she periodically the they would need uh, a young girl or a young male um, to do some of the marketing for for companies that are located in Minnesota. And so when that would occur, often her son and I would be the go to people. And so I the one I remember being in the Montgomery Wards catalog because I think I still have the clipping somewhere. I was riding on one of those spring horses and um, I did it. And so I, my mom, of course, clipped it. And I found it when we moved my out of my mother's house. The other one that I definitely remember doing back in the day, this was when girls always had an Easter dress and an Easter bonnet. And I had a white hat that had streamers down it. See, I can even remember the streamers. And we did it at the Como Zoo. And the Como Zoo, for those of you that don't know, is in Minnesota. It's one of the last free zoos in the country. And I had to sit on the railing in front of the tiger cage. And every time that they would put me up there, the tiger would come over to smell to see who was up there. And so I was getting a little freaked out <laughs> about the tiger behind me. But 
we did get the picture and it was like on one of the front pages of the local newspaper, the St. Cloud, I mean, the St. Paul, um, what's the St. Paul paper? Anyway, the St. Paul in Minneapolis, I think it's a trib. One of them's the trib. And um, I don't know whatever happened to that picture, but I remember it very clearly, not only because of the tiger, but the Como Zoo also has a huge tortoise. And as a child, you could ride on the tortoise. It would walk around in the building. And I got to ride on the tortoise that day. And I can remember my mom saying to me, not when you're done, you can ride the tortoise and we're going to go have a treat. So she knew that I was a little freaked out by the tiger, but I did it. And so that's one thing about me. I was a model when I was young um, that I barely remember, but I do remember and we do, there is evidence. <laughs> yes, I did know that. I remember when I learned that about you, we were playing Two Truths and a Lie uh, during a meeting at the company that you and I used to work for. And I remember, and you used that as one of your truths. And I remember that's when I, I learned that about you. <laughs> yeah, good times. I remember Montgomery Ward stores and I remember having to have an Easter dress. Oh, yeah. Um, back when I was younger, we didn't have an Easter hat. We had to have an Easter dress with matching new shoes and a little purse, a little patent, white patent purse to wear to church on Easter Sunday. Yeah, that was really back in the day. <laughs> um my next fun fact is that I met my current husband online. And for some women, that may sound terrifying. And um, I am with you on that because it was terrifying for me as well. When I first started a, an online profile after my um, divorce, I, I was terrified and it was... It, it was interesting, terrifying, and somewhat fun all, all at the same time. So it, it does work for some people. And um, we ended up meeting online and figuring out within the first 30 minutes of talking that we um, you know, knew a lot of the same people. We lived very um, close to one another and we actually had similar we had some of the same friends so we had been in similar circles in our previous marriages and that was quite interesting and it's really um it's quite unusual that we didn't meet before because we were at the same places basically at the same times so we just didn't meet before so Mark and I did meet online um, through Match.com, and I always joke with him and tell him that I, I paid $72 for him. And it was quite an investment because it was my last ditch effort. When I went back and joined Match.com, I had told several people this is my last time. If I don't meet anybody this time, I'm not, I'm not doing online dating anymore. So I rejoined on a Sunday and Mark messaged me on Tuesday. So you know, two days later and we went out on Thursday. 
within a week, within the same week, um, we had, he had messaged me, we had talked on the phone and we had gone out on our first date. And here we are. Well, and, and I remember because you came, I talked to you right, right, like right after the date and you walked out and then you were here at the cabin yes. right after that, like, and he was calling all the time and whatever. And I remember you saying to me very clear, I'm marrying that man. Like it yep. was like after the first date and I was like, whoa, what happened here? Right. Yeah. Because you had dated you had dated some other guys, which we had met, and I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so, I know. Yeah, so it's you interesting know, you know sometimes, right? That's true, and and our children cringe when they think that, about us meeting online. I mean, and, and my daughter is very vocal, as you know. Yes, <laughs> and, and she's like, oh, I cannot believe you're dating. Oh, you're doing online dating. That's terrible. Please be careful. You know, all the things. Um, but here we are. So it, it can work for, for listeners out there, for women who are, um, you know, using online dating. We could do a whole podcast episode because you've done online dating as well. And <laughs> we, have, um, we have tips and tricks for that. So maybe that's a, a future episode. So that's another yeah. fun fact. I, I just, I, this, what I was, I was looking down, you're probably wondering why, because I had, of course, you know me, I had to pull up the data. <laughs> Online dating is similarly popular in the U S in 2019 study, Stanford sociologist found, analyzed 217, a 2017 survey of American adults and found that around 39%. So you're not alone, girl. No. And it's, actually, I would have thought it would have been higher. It might be. It might be. That was just the first one that popped up. And as we both know, Googling, you need to make sure that you <laughs> go below the first one or two. Yes, we have very different. Well, we didn't have very different experiences online dating. Just mm, it, it, it's interesting. I'll, I'll give it you is. that. <laughs> it it's interesting. Well, I, I'm going to segue us into the other one, something else that we sort of share in common that we know about each other. Um, and that is that we have tattoos and I know you're going to talk about yours. Um, but um, I went with Anne um, when I turned 60 to treat myself to having, getting an online tattoo, but that's really not, we and I'll let Ann talk more about that. But the funny part of the story is it leads to something else that's about me that people are often surprised. I hide money. Um, I, I don't hide money in the sense of like keeping it in the refrigerator in the ice cube trays, which my grandmother did do, by the way. Um, but I sort of, because I've traveled so much, I have this little bit of paranoia about being caught somewhere and not having cash or some way to pay for something in an emergency. And so I have a tendency to then hide cash in multiple places, especially when I'm traveling. Um, and so every once in a while, I need to uh, sort of dig out and see how much have I really had hidden. And I typically don't hide small bills. I hide 50s and 100s. Um, and I'm not quite sure where that habit came from, 
I know what has to do with traveling because I've been around people who have had their bag stolen or all of their money stolen and they're stuck somewhere. And I think that's sort of the thing. And because I've traveled in a lot of rural areas, in fact, like even up here, there are people that come to do work for me at the lake house that only deal in cash. Um, there's even stores up here now that uh, one store, one of my favorites, Tremblies, we'll give them a little plug since we already gave match.com a plug. Um, in fact, I have it behind me somewhere. Um, the fudge shop, the candy store, the infamous candy store, a deadly place to go. Um, they only take cash or checks. And so up here, I need to have checks and I need to have cash. But I do have a tendency to hide. So it came in handy uh, when we went to get a tattoo and uh, because the guy wanted cash and there was no ATM close. And anyway, so uh, I said, how much are we talking? And then Anne kind of looked at me and I said, wait a second, do I have my backpack? <laughs> and we started digging and uh, sure enough, Shelly had more than enough hidden away. So I had cash. That's that's sort of one of my, I guess, a dirty little secret, I guess, maybe some fun fact about me, which Anne knows. <laughs> um, whenever we're together, especially when we're traveling, I always know that if something happens to, to my bag, we have extra cash, <laughs> back, which is comforting. Um, yeah. Because there are a lot of places, and especially since the pandemic, I'm noticing um, that there are businesses, more businesses that are dealing only in cash. Yeah. Uh, and, and my husband is one who he deals more in cash and then he always has. Um, and that's something that um, I've gotten used to since he and I've been together is, you know, not depending on your debit card or um a credit card that he always has cash in case you know there is an emergency no well, one think, uses cash <laughs> the other thing is in the area where i am in miami they charge extra for you to use your debit card mm -hmm. they they say it's a cash discount right the reality is they add a percentage if even if you use a debit card Right. And and so that's another reason that I typically have cash is is for that. Even at the bagel shop where I go or the French bakery where I go, they charge. And, and the other restaurant that I like to go to that's within walking distance, they charge extra if you use your debit card. And so I'm like, why should I have to pay more when you're taking it right out of my account? So, yeah. So I guess I'm old enough to think my mom, I can remember my mom going to the grocery store and always writing the check for a hundred dollars more that that was her spending money for. And I think back to that now and how, how we lived on that amount of money as a family of four, right? right. Compared to what today, yesterday I went to the grocery store and I bought two things I sort of didn't really need. I bought, lids for the wide mouth jars for canning <laughs> and and one other thing i bought and it was like 70 dollars. and i just i got nothing right i didn't get any meat and and you know any but wow i just don't know how we did it on for a family of four very different so and what's you want to talk about your tattoo piece 
Yes, yeah. People um, who don't know me, you know, they look at me and they say, oh, she's high maintenance. She's prim and proper. She's so prissy. Well, there's some truth to those statements. Um, but, you know, I'm also a farm girl. I grew up on a farm. We have a small farm here. You know, I like to get dirty to a degree. Um, you know, I love to be out on the boat. I love to be out walking on the farm. I love hiking. You know, I'm a big motorcycle person. That was in a past life. But, you know, I'm not just all pretty, pretty makeup things. Um, I love tattoos. And when I was 40, I treated myself to my first tattoo. And I have three tattoos. Only one is visible. And my visible tattoo is the one that I got with Shelly. So that was in 2015. So I was in my late 40s. So all three tattoos have been done by the same tattoo artist in Wilmington, North Carolina. And it has been an adventure because he is such a wonderful conversationalist and um, getting the tattoo has always been a fun experience. But yes, I have tattoos and I love, I love each one of them. And I would not be opposed to getting another one. Um, I'm not planning on it, but I certainly wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, they, you know, people had told me that they are addictive and I knew that as like 30 minutes into my first tattoo, I knew that I wanted a second one. So there is some truth to the more than one tattoo kind of thing. Um, so I enjoy my tattoos. I really do. And I appreciate them. And I appreciate tattoo artists who are true professionals. Yeah. Um, the ones who are true professionals, they they do a great job and and are artists. So it was fun when Shelly and I went. And, and yeah, we I, had a blast. They, yeah, um, we, actually, I found out this past weekend over the 4th that my grandson's stepfather is a tattoo artist. I didn't know that that's what he did. Um, okay. His, his mother has this beautiful half sleeve of flowers and I said something to her I said did you get some new ink and and she you know I said I really like it and whatever and my son has a half sleeve which he's done over time um of course when I grew up uh you said you were a motorcycle person that would have been the people that I my mother would have told me are the only kind of people that have tattoos right um, oh. right <laughs> but um yeah, there is really an art to it. You have to be able to be artistic to do it. That part of it fascinates me. Um, my tattoo is a very different style of tattoo, as Ann knows. It's what's called a watercolor tattoo. Um, it doesn't have all the black outlining on it, which was what I had wanted. And it's, of course, a dragonfly, which there's a lot of significance for me with dragonflies. But yeah, a tattooing is become very different and it's a very um there's definitely stylistic to it right i mean you know i 
I can remember when we were going to China, my son and I, and we had to go to the travel doctor ahead of time to get our inoculations and everything. I remember because he, I don't think at that time Duncan had a tattoo, but the guy must have realized, and he said to him, no swapping fluids when you're in China, um, no tattoos, no whatever. And uh, so, but Duncan's is uh, very oriental. Um, it's, it's got very big significance. The first was a koi fish and then there's waves and then there's a Hana mask. And I think for a lot of people, they're very significant, um, in terms of an expression. Um, and I know a lot of women in particular who have done them after divorce, interestingly enough, um, when they've come to a new place in their life as a symbolic thing to show their independence. Um, so it can be that. Right. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely very different today than it was when I was young. You know, yes. I, and, 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 you know, when I was young, it's very different. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Way more acceptable um, in terms of everything. So another fun fact about me, boy, I'm struggling um, to think because I know I know me. Um <laughs> But um, I guess, what? let's see, I'm trying to think if I can think of something that Anne doesn't know about me that would be, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this fun fact, even though I know Anne knows it. Um, and that is, as a child, I absolutely detested reading and writing. Um, I read the same book. Louisa May Alcott by Kathleen. I still have a copy of it. Um, I did not like reading as a child. Um, And I did not like writing because there was every time a different English teacher would grade my papers, they would tell me something different and to change something different. And I would ask, why do I need to change this? And they would just say things like, well, I just wouldn't have written it that way. Those are the exact words that my freshman comp teacher gave me. I barely made it through freshman comp. And so I think the reason I share that as a fun fact often is because I've written like six or seven books now. And I read, as Anne mentioned, voraciously. I think I have read, um, this summer I have read, since school got out, I'm not as much of a reader during the school year, but since schools got out, I think I've probably read eight, nine books, three sort of for work. Um, one called Gen Z, which is super interesting. Um, and then of course, ones that are just for fun. But I think the interesting part for me that our audience might be interested, especially those of you that are parents, just because your child or someone doesn't like something right now doesn't mean down the road yes. that, that it won't become important to them. Um, my parents modeled reading. Both of my parents always were reading a book. My brother is and his daughter are constantly, they go to the library, they are constantly reading. And my son, interestingly enough, Wesley, the one that struggles with reading and has always struggled with reading, Um, He had some learning issues growing up in terms of that very bright. He informed me over the holiday that he has now, he listens, I asked him, do you still listen to Audible? There's another advertisement. (laughs) 
at work. Um, and he said, yeah, I do. He said, I'm now up to, I've read 287 books. So, so even though he probably listens to them, which I found out yesterday, Chase Jarvis does the same thing. He uses audible and plays it at 1.5 so he can get in more with less time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) even though I, I worried about my son growing up, not liking reading very much he is the one 287 books in since he started working where he's working i mean so i think my message from that part is don't lose hope right that that sometimes something that as a child we didn't find sort of appealing um can grow that interest And I just, mod- my parents modeled it. They never quit. My dad was a mystery reader and also loved Tom Clancy, by the way, um, and liked true crime. Um, but they modeled constantly reading. And so it was part of my house growing up. And it wasn't until I was out of college that I really enjoyed it. And I think you know that about me because we've yeah. talked about it before. Yeah. And that is very important to continue modeling. I mean, we change over time. I mean, we've talked a lot in previous um, podcasts about transitions. I mean, things change. So uh, I'm glad that you brought that out. Um, We're past time, but I I do want to leave you with one. What I think is the most fun fact about me is um, I've, I've mentioned in previous podcasts my love for Um, music and how it's my love for music is very eclectic. I mean, I can go from Vivaldi to rap to Motley Crue, my all-time favorite band. But I'm a big 80s hairband girl, and I have loved Poison, specifically Brett Michaels, for quite some time since I was a teenager. And back in 2009, I went to see um, Brett Michaels in Raleigh, North Carolina, And I was determined that I was going to meet him because I was seeing just Brett Michaels and his band, not Poison. So it was a smaller venue. I'd seen Poison multiple times. So I, you know, had the intention of at this smaller venue, somehow, some way, I am going to personally meet Brett Michaels and have conversation with this man. So I also have type 1 diabetes. I don't know if I've mentioned that in podcasts episodes or not. And Brett Michaels also has type 1 diabetes. So I used that um, commonality to um, get myself on his tour bus and meet him after the concert. And I felt so empowered because there were so many roadies, as you can imagine, beautiful young women, you know, dressed like a rock and roll roadie, like someone like Brett Michaels would want to have on his tour bus. And here I was, a a woman, this was before my divorce, um, a woman in her early 40s, you know, who I was not really rocking it. Um, I didn't feel like. And I was waving my insulin pen to his bodyguard saying, I'm diabetic. I've followed him for years. Uh, you know, I'm one of his biggest fans. And when he saw me, you know, 
proof that I wasn't just saying I'm diabetic, just like Brett, blah, blah, blah. You know, I had my glucose monitor, my insulin pen. You know, I was trying not to look desperate, but I was trying to look authentic. And I pulled it off, you know, and he let me in the tour bus. And in comes Brett Michaels. And he is all of his fans and lots of media people who interview him. It, almost everyone says he is just a genuine, kind, um, just everyday kind of person. And he really was. He spent about 20 minutes with me asking me, you know, about my life, about dealing with my um, diabetes. You know, we talked about what kind of medications we were on, insulins we had used. You know, he has two daughters. I have one daughter. He asked me, was my daughter diabetic? You know, he was just so nice after he had spent two hours on stage just rocking it and, you know, giving his fans what they wanted. He spent 20 minutes with this woman from Eastern North Carolina who really wanted to meet him. And it just, it was great. It was absolutely great. And I love telling the story and um, his beautiful skin. And I told him that and I said, do you mind if I touch your face? And he let me touch his face. And I got great pictures. His bodyguard took a picture of me touching his face and he gave me a kiss on the cheek. And he was just so kind. There was nothing sleazy about it like you hear some rock stars are. He was not, you know, he had no air about him as, you know, I'm this big rock star, I'm famous, I'm wealthy, you know, women want me. Absolutely nothing like that. So uh, if you're not a Brett Michaels fan, maybe you should be. <laughs> That's a fun fact about me and I will remember it always and my daughter loves that story you know i came home and i woke her up and i said i met brett michaels and she said of course you did <laughs> of course you did it's it's sort of like me uh i, I walk into somewhere and i walk out like i have this other friend val and we walked into a cvs one day and i walked out and she just shaking her head and I was in there 10 minutes. I knew how many kids the person had. I knew how many brothers and sisters. I knew where they grew up. And she said, how do you do that? I said, I don't know. I just have this tattoo that says, tell me you your life story. <laughs> you do. Right? It happens any time we're together. It happens. Yeah, I know. I just, I don't know. But it's a gift, right? It's a gift. It's a mystery. So... Anyway, I was trying to think. I think one other fun fact, which I think we've shared before. Um, oh, I'll tell you how I met my husband. I think Ann knows this story. Um, I was teaching in Gallup, New Mexico, out on the reservation, which I loved, by the way. I loved the Navajo culture. I enjoyed being there. And um, I don't know how much people know about Gallup, New Mexico, but there are not a lot of people that look like me in Gallup. Um, it's very heavily populated by uh, First Nations people and uh, often people from Mexico. So um, one day I walked into the bank and it was full of men, literally full of men. And I was like in shock. Well, the military was there on TD, what they call TDY, temporary duty station. They were rebuilding the hospital 
Um, and so they had set up what's a must unit, which most people think of as a MASH unit, right? A portable hospital while they redid the hospital. And so there were all these men in there and I, of course, started talking to them and got a whole lot of stories, life stories. And they happened to stay at the, here's another advertisement, the Shalimar, which was the hotel that uh, the woman I had gone to New Mexico to teach with, one of my sorority sisters. Well, that I could have told as a fun fact. I not only belonged to a sorority, I started a sorority when I was in college. Um, that's a fun fact. But anyway, we they were staying at that hotel, which we had stayed at for like a month when we first moved there before we could find a place to live. So I went back to her and I said, hey, we're going to dinner tonight at the Shalabar. She said, why? And I explained. She met her husband that night. Um, they were in the dining room. And of course, you know, they came over and started talking to us and she met him. And I didn't meet my husband at the time for quite a while, but for a few days. But but it all started because like me, like always, I walk in somewhere and everybody's talking to me and that's how we met. So, so that's, that's one more fun fact. So at the bottom here, I, I know we're way over time today, but that's all right. We've been having fun. Uh, I wrote, what are some fun facts about you that bring joy to you in life? And I think that's really part of our message today, besides the other wisdom that's been sprinkled in that sometimes we just need to stop and, and look at what are some fun facts about our life and what, where are we now? And where have we been? And a lot of those build our character, right? Um, is those fun facts. And we hang on to them. A lot of memories. And great example of I've always had this goal and I, I made it happen, right? That's that's a, that's a great example. So parting thoughts, Miss Miss Calcutt. Um, I just want our audience to... Um to really know that we are authentic women. We are live coaches with a purpose of helping women um, during transitions in life. We are, um, we self-identify as creative and fun. Uh, we also self-identify as women who have been through a lot of the transitions that we talk about and offer help to other women. So um, fun facts, yes. And, and we also share a lot of other facts about ourselves throughout each and every episode. But I do encourage our listeners to, to think about facts about themselves that really mean a lot to you. And if you say, oh, well, I'm going through so much right now, I, I can't think of any fun facts. Then, then set aside some time to actually write them down. Set aside some time for you where you can think and reflect and focus and, and literally write some facts down, some fun facts down. And it will, it will help you um, reignite. It will help you um, refocus and it, it will refresh Three R's. I'm all about that letter R, as you know. <laughs> um, and, you know, if you're looking for a life coach, um, check us out. Reach out to us on Instagram, yeah. Facebook. If you're looking for a community of, of self 
like of like-minded women, um, reach out to us, check us out, um, subscribe, continue to like and follow and, and share our podcast with other women. And um, think about the fun side of yourself over the next week and cherish those facts yeah. and, and share them with someone else because knowing something fun about someone else can help you think about fun things about yourself and yeah. it can help you um, connect more with other women. So go out, have a great rest of the week and reach out to others. As always, we went way over today, but I think that's because we're having so much fun. So <laughs> right. now you know a lot more about us than you did before we started the podcast. Yes, today. yes, yes, you do. So have a great week, everybody. Create an amazing week. Enjoy. And let's hear from you. Yeah. Have some fun. Bye, everybody.